You are tampering with forces you can't understand. We have major corporations sponsoring this event. You are tuned in to the Fantasy Wire HQ Quick Cast. Today's show is brought to you by Full Time Fantasy, home of the Fantasy Football World Championships. We're also a proud member of the Full Time Fantasy Network. Check them out online at fulltimefantasy.com. Welcome to the show, Matt. Glad to have you on today to talk some Packers. This is the fan cast. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, this is the fan cast. So let the people know a little about you, just your fandom, getting into the Packers, whatever you want to let rip. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so really it all started. I became a Packer fan in 1994. Uh, I was 10 years old. That's when I really started watching football with my dad. Uh, He was a Packers fan, so that was an easy segue because they were a good team mid nineties, Brett Favre era. So I kind of just stuck around, you know, stuck around my dad a lot back then. And uh, now I'm 36 and uh, as diehard as ever as a Packer fan. So awesome. Uh, yeah. Now you are not in Wisco. Is that right? Unfortunately not. I would love to be, but I'm down in Illinois. <laughs> it's, it's hard down in bear country, man. They get, they gang up on you down there. Oh man. There's, there's savages down here. They, I have to be careful what I wear in public. Oh yeah, it's brutal. You can't let anything slip about Packers. You just got to stay neutral, or you know, depending. Yeah, a lot of lot of biting my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Anybody listening, give them a follow on Twitter at the real Matt Port, and uh, it's a good follow. So make sure you hit them there. And then today we're going to discuss the NFC North, and we're going to do a little bit of both with the uh, real life NFL, and then a little fantasy football end of things, of course. So. Looking at non-fantasy related, this is real life NFL thoughts. Just give me a what you're thinking on the division. I'm, you know, Packers win it, Vikings second, Lions, and then I was going to put the Bears last. Maybe is how I had it ranked. What do, What are you thinking here? So really, we're we're similar uh, most of the way down. I actually the, the big difference is I have the Bears uh, finishing second. And the Lions finishing last, um, so I have Bears. I'm sorry, I have Packers, Bears, uh, Vikings, Lions. Okay. Yeah, I'm not <clears> sure <throat> because I'm looking at the Bears. I want to put them in second, right? Mm-hmm. Just on the Nick Foles factor alone, Trubisky's going to get out of there. But now, with all the COVID stuff, who, like, what team gets wiped out the hardest down the depth chart? And I know the Bears have. 2000 tight ends they can choose from but still what about the rest <laughs> of the guys um well the bears actually just lost eddie goldman today to yeah he's choosing to opt out yep i saw that so it's like i don't know I'm, i guess it, it it's gonna suck for everybody don't get me wrong but i kind of feel like my gut says it hits the bears the hardest i don't know it, it's a tough call and then the vikings too they had um michael pierce their free agent from the ravens Who's a, mm-hmm. uh, that was a good signing uh he opted out so now the vikings that d line's gonna be hurting because they lost uh, who was the other guy they lost out this season? Griffin. Free agency. Griffin and when it, 
was it Linval Joseph? Oh, Linval Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Linval Joseph. Yeah, he's going yeah, too. So that's, yeah. a, that's a big blow. You had Pierce to fill his spot. You know, now you don't have Pierce. And I mean, this is only the opt out phase of things. So this is, it's pretty crazy. We got till Saturday. So I'm sure there's going to be more. Yeah, really, if you think about it, uh, I could see the Vikings finishing dead last uh, this year just because they've lost so much on the defensive side of the ball um, in, in secondary and, you know, the, on their D-line. Uh, you know, they lost, they lost digs on offense. I just, I'm not a real big Kirk Cousins guy anyway. So I, with, when you ask about the division this year, this might be the most up for grabs year I've seen in the NFC North in terms of who's going to emerge. I don't think there's going to be any clear-cut runaway, uh, you know, first-place division division team this year. I could see it being, you know, several different – end up several different ways, really, so. Yeah, it, it could go anyway with all the uh, the COVID stuff if we're out. It I put it on Twitter today. It's like, at what point does it become a competitive unbalance, right? When – if something rips through a team right. or a position group, how far do you go down? How far does that go back? I mean, that can really skew the table for teams that were yeah. good, for teams that were bad. They can really go worse. And then I don't know. I'm going to hit you with something here. The uh, speaking of the opt out stuff, we got a we got a fresh one as of a I think like an hour ago. Devin Funchess opted out. Did he really? I yes. uh, I did not see that. I wow, Devin Funchess opted out. Well. And that was per um, uh, Field Yates had posted that on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to see the time he had posted. As that. if the Packers receiver core needed any more blows. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you bring up the depth chart and you got, you're going to have Adams. You're going to have Lazard should yeah. keep his number two spot as he did last season, which is good. I think he was fine. He, I figured he would take it in the off season anyway in camp. So that mm -hmm. keeps MVS around. You know, we're not getting rid of him so, so quick. Right. right. And, um, uh, you know, can EQ, Equanimous St. St. Brown, can he step up and and do something here with, you know, full good health, ready to go? I This is a tough depth chart to make sense of, man. Who can emerge? And then you have, uh, Jake, you have Jake Kumaro. You throw him in there, too, as well, I think. Yeah, Whitewater uh, Jesus. He can do something. <laughs> White water Jesus, man. That's right. Absolutely. I think you let him and EQ battle it out for a uh, wide receiver four, honestly. Yeah, I, th I think the even the slot, you know, at the three spot, MVS, Kumaro, St. Brown, I think one of those three take that. And then, you, I mean, you've got Bagleton, CFL guy on the back end of that. Mm -hmm. Darius Shepard made, made a couple flashes last season. Outside of that, I mean, those are your guys. If anything should happen there it's going to be trouble, man. And it's like the Packers sit at that draft and take no receivers. God, you got to be kidding yourself it. now, right? I know it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, now, if, you know, if the reality is if let's say Adams gets it and comes down with COVID or whatever, then they really are, you know, what's this phrase up to Creek without a paddle. I yes. mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could get, they don't have a great tight end to throw to. Yeah, it really could. COVID could really, like you said, it could really skew. Uh, competitive balance uh, of teams this year and uh at that point yeah i mean the, the nfl product what does it become yeah especially i mean and then you're gonna have street free agents you i'm sure you've got to have a a pretty long list of street guys off the scrap heap you can sign 
they, mm-hmm. I'd imagine they're going to be somewhere separate outside of, you know, being infected or quarantined at some point that they can pull them from, but then they've got to step in and come up. It's just a mess. I don't know. Baseball's already, you know, the Miami's not looking good today. We found out a bunch of stuff with damn near the whole yep. team. You know, hopefully we yeah. don't have one of those situations in the NFL. I'd imagine. It's, yeah, I mean, really, it's September's, be a only, September's only a, a month away, you know, really at this point. Uh, you know, I was hoping that we'd make, we'd have better, a better handle on things come close to training camp. And it seems like we're really in no better spot now than we were, you know, back in March, April, or May. It seems like it's just not going away. So, yeah, this is, it's going to be an interesting season. And I want to see, I hope that they've got more things in place. It's just a lot of confusion, I think, for, you test negative, then you. I think for baseball, you got to have so many uh, positive tests before you can come back. Is the NFL yeah, do the, the NFL? Thing? I think I saw that you had to have. Um, <clears throat> they they posted something about the the players' association that you had to test. You had to have so many positive tests within forty eight hours before you're reactivated if you do have it. Stuff like that. I mean, yeah. So it's gonna is it gonna be an easy path to just come back to kind of like concussion protocol right you gotta sit out and you gotta not show signs of symptoms you know for x period of time before the, you know the, and it's gonna be slow to bring you back so so yeah it's covid could turn this season up on its head yeah i think i think that's like juan soto's problem right now for baseball for the nationals he's he was out and then now he can't string together back-to-back positive tests or something i mean i don't know what this stuff does yeah. in your system it does it give you false positives false negatives nobody really knows for sure i guess or not that i've heard so when it comes to the nfl right. are they going to adopt a similar theme to make them have to go through the same you know hoops to clear you to come back if that's the case then it could be pretty frustrating with guys that are totally fine but yet their system is going to yeah. kick a positive test even though they're fine symptoms whatever the case that mm-hmm. could be really frustrating then a guy could take longer than the two weeks to come back and then you miss two weeks in the NFL season's over before you know it. Yeah. That's the, that's the bad thing, man. Two, it's, it's a two week deal. So they're missing, you know, two games obviously. And then, you know, and it's, it, it would be frustrating, you know, as a, as a fan knowing that that guy's not showing any signs of symptoms, but yeah, you know, it's mandatory that he sits out. Meanwhile, you got, you know, his replacement in and the team is just not the same. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah, it, I'm holding my breath for this season. I'm hoping that it's as close to normal as possible. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what develops for sure. Once, once the season gets here, they've already canceled training camp or uh, preseason games and no fans. And I think I saw that they're only going to allow like 10,000 fans at Lambeau field this year. Yeah. I saw but that and I, I posted like, well, 10,000, you won't know the difference because everybody is so damn drunk and rowdy. They'll make it, they'll make <laughs> enough noise for a whole stadium full. I mean, can you imagine yeah. the shit you're going to hear when they're in the stands? Oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. They, <laughs> that's and, actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. They're going to have a lot, uh, a lot louder voice. They might, uh, oh, yeah, you might hear yeah. a lot of things flying on live TV this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, one Packer fan can equate to the volume of like five fans, right? drunk level yeah they're pretty loud level scream you name it everything but then the downside is that's a big chunk that you gotta skim off the top for the drunk fans that don't make it through the first quarter so that it could be even less <laughs> it could be way less 
way less. Yeah, I mean, that's every, a good point. Every game that I've ever gone to in my life, there's, I mean, I've seen people, I'm literally walking in maybe half an hour before the national anthem's going to go off, and I've seen people with their head and their arms over the railings of the front row. And I'm like, <laughs> already? How? Already? already. <laughs> They've been tailgating since 8 o'clock that morning. That's how they get that way. <laughs> it's crazy. I, me, my daughter and I went to one of the playoff games, and we went, I think it was like middle of first quarter, end of first quarter of the game. We we're just going to go get some drinks and stuff. And there was somebody passed out on the concourse already. Medics are over by him. Wow. Crap. It's like, hold, you guys got to chill. <laughs> so I don't know. There could be a pretty <laughs> massive chunk of people downgraded, you know, right off the bat. That's yeah. Really interesting. And I can't imagine – seeing it that well i guess if you even family night sells out so god to even yeah. skim that in half is crazy you know i don't know that's weird well there's not gonna be any fans allowed at family night now i saw no yeah that's i think that'll, that'll be gone for for this season yeah crazy. yeah that's really unfortunate the, the local green bay economy is taking a big hit for sure yeah is, have you been to a game at all have you ever been up there for a game oh yeah i've been to uh let me see i think i've been to uh, I think I've been to three games at Lambeau and uh, one game is uh, back when the Rams played in St. Louis. And yep. then one game when the Bears played at U of I, I went to that game too. So Cool. Cool. Well, let's talk about the NFC playoff seeding. So we're going to progress through the season and let's hope everything goes to plan. Now we lay out the NFC playoffs. And this is like one of my favorite things every season. I, I love looking at the seeding and looking at who's going to be slotted where. And every year, I think, what do they say? You can pull off five to seven teams that made the playoffs the one year and do not return. So on the NFC side, I've, I, I, don't, I looked at it, and I could only cut it up so many ways, and I've only got the Eagles and the Vikings not returning to the playoffs. And in their place, I would slot the Bucks, and it's not just the Brady factor, um, and then I'd right. slot the Cowboys. And I would love to yes. see – a McCarthy Packers playoff game, right? Somewhere along the lines. I <laughs> yes. don't know how it shakes down, but yes. you know, but for teams to return, I think the Saints return. The Niners defense is just too damn good. And you've got everybody right. pretty much set in uh Shanahan system, right? They know what they're doing out there. Yes. I, I could see them yep. returning, the Packers and the Seahawks too, because Seahawks just signed Adams. I don't think he's you know, he's not gonna take that defense back to the Legion of Boom days. But he is a key piece right. on the back end of what they need. You know, the other opposing teams just can't air it out anymore, you know, with him in the backfield. He right. can come up and make plays right. at the line too. So but I think the Seahawks could return and then you got the Bucks and Cowboys as well, maybe wild card teams or something like that. But any ideas on, on your playoff seating? Who do you got in there? Uh, you know, honestly you, you kinda nailed it. Um I, I definitely like take I definitely like adding the the Bucks and the Cowboys. Uh, much as I hate to say, I cannot stand the Cowboys, but I think that they're definitely going to be definitely going to win their division, I think. And I think they're going to be a, a team that can make a deep playoff run. Uh, the Buccaneers, uh, similar to what you said, it isn't just a Brady factor. I think they're just primed for a, a great season. Um, Niners, Packers, Seahawks, Saints. I mean, I think I think we got it dialed in. I think that if you're going to put money on it now, I think that's what I'd put it on. Yeah, I was going to say the Bucks because without Winston throwing all those picks, they could have been a playoff team this past year. Their, yeah, I know. their that's, defense that's was good enough to keep him it. into it. And then now Arians has got 
a quarterback that's going to execute his system. He's going to play within the the system. So I think Brady is, mm-hmm. you know, he's a vet. He's he's still damn good. He's not the same Brady, mm-hmm. but can he be efficient in a Bruce Arians offense when he's going to dial up plays and they're going to work on a playbook together to what suits his strong points? And you know, you don't have Winston out there just slinging it and pick six in it, right. thirty interceptions and all that. I mean, if you took that away from him. They, they'd have done something. So I think the Bucks could definitely get in there this season. And who knows what happens, yeah. you know, with that team along the way. That could That's an interesting team to follow. And really, I think that you could argue that this is probably the best team offensively Brady's ever played on in terms of weapons. I mean, he's got Gronk back. He has Evans and Godwin at receiver. Um, I, I mean, just those three people alone, I think he's going to have a – he could have a monster year statistically at, at age what 64 however old he is now yeah yeah 65 <laughs> I mean, uh, retirement yeah, I mean, right he's uh yeah exactly he uh i think the bucks with a with a competent quarterback i think they could be kind of scary actually so yeah and, the, and then the cowboys in place of the vikings i've got them just because with mccarthy in there and then they've got uh who is it kellen the guy their offensive oh kellen clemens clemens yeah never remember yeah that. boys yep. state quarterback and then and NFL right. cup of coffee but yep. those two together i think i think they could scheme up a nice offense for the cowboys and they've got weapons too i mean pick your poison with cooper gallup cd lamb now zeke dak mm-hmm. i mean they're that's another well-balanced team in a long time that hasn't hasn't been a well-oiled machine like it should be that we're accustomed to seeing i think mm-hmm. those those two guys together can really dial it in i would love to see what they can do i'm not a big cowboy fan either but just looking at the team as a whole offensively they've got they've got it pretty good at every skill position and they've got a quarterback that can get it done i think maybe mm-hmm. jason garrett was the most of the problem this the past few seasons i totally just, agree you can't get them over the hump i, I don't know if it's just changing what mm-hmm. you do in the playoffs or scheming something up I, I don't know but i think they can do it mccarthy I, i'm really interested to see what he's learned his uh, self-reflection and seeing the light and what, what's he going to do different? Is he going to run the ball? You know, he didn't like <laughs> run the ball in green Bay. Is he going to, right. It's crazy. I don't know. I just, it's fascinating to me. I'm not a big McCarthy fan, but I, I did like the coach for the most part when he right. was in green Bay, he got a super bowl win. You can't take that away, but he, he totally slacked off at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, he definitely did. Oh, yeah, he definitely man. did. That offense when you uh, look at was... what they did in 2010, to what they did the last two seasons here. Oh my God. It was nothing like what they did at all. It, it yeah. It was, it running. was pathetic. I mean, you look at, you look at Aaron Jones, uh, you know, waiting, waiting to be released uh, on the NFL and McCarthy just flat out would not utilize him. And then LaFleur comes in year one, decides, Hey, this guy's pretty good. Let's, let's give him the ball. And he, you know, he put up gaudy numbers. He didn't have a ton of yards. Like he had like, I think he had just over a thousand yards, but he had, I forget how many touchdowns and just several big plays, uh, you know, so that's, you know, that was one of my biggest criticisms was that you have Aaron Jones, you're not using him. And then the whole team just suddenly fell apart after that. Um, but to your point about McCarthy in Dallas, I do think McCarthy is a great offensive mind. I think that he will get the most out of the Cowboys on offense uh, so yeah, and as much as it pains me to say, I think the Cowboys, this might be a year where 
you know how other fans like to pretend like they're going to the ship every year. This right. might be the year. You never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. The defense, I think, <clears throat> is what holds them back most. Their defense. Yeah, their defense. Yeah, their defense. Yep. That's key. That's key for any title run for any team, but for them, it's pretty damn important. But you never know. McCarthy is if it's throwing the ball. I mean, he's he's scoring quick, um, not not mm-hmm. sustaining long drives. He can. He's got Zeke if he wanted, but depends on the balance right. offensively. Well, he's going to run the ball. I mean, Jerry Jones won't let him not run the ball. He's they you they think, they right? paid Zeke. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, if he doesn't run, if he doesn't run Zeke, there's going to be problems with management because they they finally caved in and kind of paid Zeke, you know. And uh, if McCarthy goes in and thinks he's not going to use Zeke, then, whew, I mean, get ready. <laughs> yeah, old old Gerald will call down Mac. We need to run Zeke. I need you to run him, run him hard. <laughs> you know, he's going to be down it, in it, his ear twenty four seven. Right. That's one of the that's one of the biggest shocks to me. I was like, man, McCarthy's very stubborn. I. I would have never put him together with Jerry Jones, two guys that are, yes. that are very stubborn and strong-willed. I'm like, that could be really good or really bad. I don't know. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good point because when things do go bad, they always do, that's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. That's going to get ugly fast. Yeah. <laughs> it might turn into a shit show pretty quick in Dallas. <laughs> oh, man. Then any kind of drama in Dallas is always primo entertainment, I believe. Yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> Let's jump in. We, we discussed some real-life NFL, but let's talk some fantasy. Fantasy alert, fantasy alert, fantasy alert. Categories. We're, you know, it's the offseason, so everybody's guessing at this point, but everybody's got their targets and picks and breakout guys. So I wanted to run through here and just focus on players in the NFC North, and these are just players of mm-hmm. our choice. Slot them into some categories, just see how we feel about each guy and I'll go first. I had um, I had a top NFC North fantasy target. So this is just, if I can only pick one target for 2020, I'm looking at Cook. I uh, want Dalvin Cook for the Vikes. I mean, he broke out last season, 250 carries, 1350 rushing yards, lots of catches out of the backfield. I know everybody always worries about his health. He had the holdout announcement earlier this offseason. Now I think his agent... Well, no, he came out and said he wasn't, and then his agent said he is. Who knows? I, that That's all talk until the season starts. But does he go the, the Melvin Gordon route and, and hold out for an entire season or for what have you? Who knows, man? But fantasy, I'm still going to draft him. I grabbed him in a dynasty league earlier. And if you mm-hmm. got Madison as his backup, I mean, you can go with that. But just that Viking scheme, it's a running, ground and pound type scheme. So rushing top quarter or top running back. I love cook. Give me cook. He's my top target. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, uh, if there wasn't any um, talk of holdout, cause you know, he, he did report to camp or he said that he's going to report to camp, but he wants a new deal. Um, you know, if that wasn't a narrative right now at all, I think it would be clear cut Dalvin cook. You know, he's, he's a beast on a run first team. So, um, but I actually went a little different than you there. I went to uh, Devontae Adams uh, just because, you know, if Cook does hold out, I don't really see there being another guy worthy of, you know, the number one NFC North pick than Devontae Adams. So, yeah, Adams is, is the guy. He's getting the ball no matter yeah. what. He's the, in terms of volume, because that's what fantasy is all about, like how much volume, how many, you know, how many targets are they getting? 
Uh, you know, he's Rogers' main weapon. Um, you know, other than him, who else does? I mean, Rogers isn't throwing to a lot of people. He's not throwing any of the tight ends, really. You know, they don't really have a tight end. Uh, yeah, I wish they'd bring experience. the tight end game back. I know, right? That'd be great. But, uh, but yeah, I think overall, I do agree with you that Dalvin Cook probably is the, the top fantasy target in the NFC North. In ter- if, you're, if there's no holdout, I, I don't know how you go other than Dalvin Cook first out of all the teams in the, in the NFC there, so NFC North there. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, some, that could scare some people in your draft, depending on your draft mm-hmm. um, league mates. Mm-hmm. That could scare somebody. Maybe he drops a couple spots, and you can pick him up and then you know bookend a, a Madison later, and you, you're, mm-hmm. set, you're fine because nobody's going to take Madison super early, even if they're unsure no. of Cook, right? So. Right, still right, right, right. And scoop him up, but all right. So we got Matt with Devonte Adams. I'm taking Cook, and then on the next category, we're looking at just a value pick outside of the top 25. So I mean, you run through your your ones. Everybody knows who you're who you're grabbing across the board, but outside of that top 25, that's when things get ugly, and everybody's going for their guys and who they like. But I was looking at Marvin Jones on the Lions. Um, finished last season as the top 30 receiver. He gets around that wide receiver 39 to 45 kind of ADP. And I think he's a pretty solid candidate to outperform his ADP this season. He's cheap in drafts. You can always, I can usually get him mock drafts. I can grab him damn near every time, but I think he's someone who's like a perfect wide receiver three or a flex option in your lineup. And it's, it's a good value pick. He doesn't always, hasn't, typically played every season all the way through he gets he's been getting injured past couple seasons but but he's pretty clutch with teams Mm -hmm. focusing on Kenny Galladay you know Matt Stafford will sling it he's a good he's a good quarterback when he's healthy he's tough as hell he plays every game and Jones is a is a pretty good check down guy for him slot guy they move him around he can do a lot of different things in the offense so I like Jones outside the top 25 he's a guy I, I try to target most of my drafts I can typically land him but he's a good one to get you some value, especially on the bye weeks, things like that. You know, you're scrambling. You don't mm-hmm. want to plug in the worst guys in there, but to get you something, he's he usually comes through. You know, and Marvin Jones is a guy that I've owned off and on several times. I've been playing fantasy football since I was like 12. And uh, he's always been a guy that's floated around as either, a, you know, a drafted or a, like a, a steal in the waivers or yeah, someone you can get late. But he's also equally one of the most frustrating fantasy players to own because he will do nothing for two weeks and then have a monster game on your right. bench. Yeah. You got to know when to dump him. <laughs> and you a, definitely I've, know I've when had to that happen to me so many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's for him, it's, it's, it's a lot of boom and bust. Um, I mean, he definitely is capable of, of having some, some boom games where he puts up just monster numbers, but then there's games where, you know, he'll get two catches for 10 yards. And it's like, and I started him over somebody else that blew up on my bench. So I like Marvin Jones. He's just, for me, he's very frustrating to figure out when to play. <laughs> yeah. So who, who do you like outside the top 25? Well, so I was going to ask you, you're, so you got uh, Galladay and Aaron Jones inside top 25 this year. Yeah. Typically they're always in there. Um, Galladay. Yeah. Yeah. He's usually above top 25. I should probably look at some rankings, but um I think last year he was taken 24th on average. Like was he? he was yeah, like I mean, top 24. some of them yeah. are fringe. Yeah, some of them are definitely yeah. fringe. So I actually had Galladay written down just based on what he's what he where he was drafted last year. Now that's probably a little false because he did have a great year last year. So I would be surprised if he 
if he was in the, you know, outside of the 25 this year, maybe he is in non PPR leagues. Um, but just going off of where he was drafted last year, you know, if you can obviously get him at 24, 25, that's the biggest deal of the draft, uh, in, in my opinion there. Other than that, though, I do like Marvin Jones uh, outside the top 25, just because, you know, there's not a lot of great wide receiver twos in the NFC North. And I think he probably emerges as the top wide receiver two. I mean, in the NFC North. Anyway. Yeah, you'd think. Outside opposite of Galladay, it's it's them one and two. And then yeah. anybody else bears, it's what, Miller, Robinson? Well, maybe Adam Thielen would be a great top, out, of, out of the top 25. Just, you know, I don't know where he's – I don't know where he's going to go this year. I, I guess I'd be surprised if he – went inside the top 25 just because last year was kind of a down year for him. He had some injury and, and everything like that, but he might have a monster year this year, just without digs. He might get the bulk of the targets there. Right. So maybe I would, I guess if I could go back, I would change it to probably Adam Thielen outside the top 25. Okay. Yeah. Thielen. And I think Jefferson just got Corona, right? I think he tested positive. So he may be out. Did he really? Wow. I did I not so. see that, but yeah, the- I think it was a couple of weeks ago. They said he did. So, well, he, I mean, that could be an issue. Who knows? Maybe he's all right by the time season rolls around, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think I would, I think I'd probably peg Thielen as maybe like a fringe 25 player this year, like 25 to 30. So that's probably going to be who I would pick as, you know, what was it? The uh, best value outside top 25. That's probably, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. All right. And then on breakouts, we got a breakout every season, right? Somebody steps on the scene. It's like, holy shit, where'd this guy come from? Um, for me, right. I think it's Anthony Miller makes some noise and he had, he made a, some good starts last season, but then he had some injuries. If you look close at his stuff last season, he played over 70% of the snaps in 11 games, seven and a half targets, four and a half receptions, 64 yards um, and about a touchdown per game. So that's pretty much around the same fantasy stat lines as like Court Sutton, Terry McLaurin, Odell last year. But there's always the questions mm-hmm. about his health. So that's the biggest thing that held him back. But I, I think he could have a breakout season this year. I like him more if Nick Foles is throwing him the ball than Trubisky, to be honest, because Foles running that RPO that he did in Philly if he runs that in Chicago, which I think he will, I think Miller benefits almost the you know the most of anybody in that offense. Obviously, Robinson's going to get his, but Miller and say Tariq Cohen are prime benefactors for that RPO style. So I think he'll produce when he's on the field. Like I said, especially if Nick Foles takes over, and he loves slot receivers. Foles is always getting that ball to slot receivers. So I think Miller could break out, and if he's healthy, that that could be a huge breakout season for him mm-hmm. yeah and uh i actually had anthony miller here written down uh just because of the things you i figure if, you know if they can go with Foles, get a little bit better quarterback play um you know he's a player that i think would be that would qualify as like a fantasy breakout since he hasn't really done a lot you know yeah i think that this year could be a year and i went back and forth on him and uh the guy i'm going to say for the next bullet point uh, but yeah, I think Anthony Miller really sets the, I think he really is prime for that, you know, kind of a fantasy breakout as wide receiver too. Yeah. I was, when I was looking def- at this, if, if, go ahead. I see it definitely. And that's definitely a Foles is under center, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cause when I was looking at like the stat lines and stuff for him 
and I broke it down by the you know minute, and it was like eleven point six fantasy points per game. And then you're like, damn, this, mm-hmm. that's the same mark as Sutton, Terry, Odell. Yeah, like, I, I didn't, I didn't really think of it like that until I saw that number. And then that number was like, well, shit. I mean, if he stays healthy, it's a, it's always a big if. Everybody says, oh, it's if, if, if. But still, a lot of, you see it a lot of times. Guys that are injured all the time, they'll put together a season where they're on top of the world, man. They're they're healthy. They play every game, you know, where they miss less. Mm-hmm. So you've seen, we've seen every for as long as we've been watching football, right? We've seen it every year. Somebody does it. So why not? Right. Why not Miller? <laughs> Especially in a yeah, why not Miller? a little more efficient. You know, I, I really think Foles is the, the difference maker. So yeah, why not, man? Yep. So yeah, it's difficult for me to choose really any bear as, on the offensive side, but you know, why? I, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's his third year. It's time for him to step up. I think this is kind of the year where they figure out who they have at him. So yeah. And those, those, um, contract years are always huge on their own mm-hmm. right right <laughs> you yep. want to play that whole yep. season if not just to get tape out there that somebody signs you if the uh yeah team exactly doesn't. so it's always a big deal that always plays a factor i think i put a lot of stock in that for sure mm-hmm. yeah definitely and then uh surprise player at 2020 we may have the same one i don't know but who's going to surprise me out of the nfc north this year there was a couple picks i could have taken but I was looking at Jay Sternberger for the pack, tight end. I think there's a realistic chance that he can finish maybe second on this team in targets. And we were talking about at the top, if uh, if that wide receiver class gets depleted as it could, who else is getting these targets, right? They've, they've got to go somewhere. Yeah. Jimmy Graham is gone. Mercedes Lewis is not your pass-catching tight end. And I think the Packers are – they're headed on like a heavy 12 personnel package where – Sternberger doesn't come off the field. So Adams is going to get, you know, 150 plus targets probably. The ball's got to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. I think he's a dart throw at the tight end position, but he's got definitely he's got, got the talent to maximize opportunity. Because if he's on the field, if it's Lewis and him in the two tight end set, those targets should be his for passing to tight end. Red zone looks maybe, uh, red zone packages, stuff like that. They're going to have to get creative within the 20s, right? There's... <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can't just roll everything to Adams or Jones. So I think it's uh, it's a deep league. You're going to want to draft them. If it's a redraft where, you know, maybe roll the dice on them late. If the tight end class is depleted, then you pick them up late. Or it's somebody that you've got, you know, a watch list icon start up on your waiver wire and you grab them as soon as it's warming up. Right. You know, kind of like that. Right. So, right. Yeah. If, if it's a deep league, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to draft them when I can, when the time is right. And uh, yeah, smaller league or something like that, put them on that watch list and, and get them at the right spot. That's, that's the yeah. thing. And they're also, they were also talking about playing Sturberger out of the slot this year too. Just, yeah, to, that could, you know, trying to, try to mix things up a little bit. And if you get, if he's, because he's a pass catching tight end, he's not really, they didn't draft him for his blocking, you right. know? So, yeah, uh, I, thought he so yeah, I mean, season. yeah, he did look good. My only concern with him is that he just did not get a lot of, a lot of playing time last season, a lot of time to mesh with uh, Rogers, right. um, you know, in the live game. So, and then uh, I think that you will see a little bit of Bob Tanyan in place of Sternberger this year too, just, I think, you know, he's he's got more time with the team than Sternberger. It, you know, it, it could go either way. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Sternberger, you know, have a great uh, sophomore campaign and be the surprise player of the NFC North. Yep. 
I had uh, but who I had there was actually David Montgomery, Bears running back. Oh, okay. Uh, a guy that he kind of underperformed. Uh, I felt last year, and I don't know if that was necessarily his fault. I don't think the Bears align uh, is anything special, but I think that there's pressure on Nagy to get him more involved in the in the game plans. And uh, just the way this Bears are built, you know, they're obviously best defense probably in the league. Um, their offense, I think, is going to be a, a control the clock situation on offense, you know, and try to, you know, just not turn the ball over and score points here and there. And that's how they're going to win games. And I think there's going to be an emphasis on running the ball this year in Chicago um, just to take some of the pressure off of whoever it is at quarterback. Um, and, you know, I can remember a lot of the Bears fans down here in, in Illinois last year saying, you know, why isn't Montgomery getting the ball? You know, there's a lot of a lot of that talk going on. So I think that maybe Montgomery might have a, a much better sophomore campaign uh, than he did uh, as a rookie uh, last year. I mean, he had some nice games. I think his last game of the season, he had like 100, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I would look for him to definitely improve upon his rookie campaign and, and maybe – you know, turn into kind of a surprise. Hey, he could be a, a solid RB2 or a flex, you know? Yeah, he's he's definitely got the volume there to have a good mm-hmm. season. And, and you're absolutely right. I think it is. It's like a combination of everything last season. Nagy really did him wrong when he should have been running him and he wasn't. He's, oh, we're going to throw this game. <laughs> you know, like he his game <laughs> scripts and plans yeah. were just out there. Like, why are you not just pounding the rock right now? And there he is, Trubisky's slinging it like no tomorrow. You're not going to win like this. And then he'd have one game mm-hmm. where he uses them, and he puts together a good game. And then it's like, okay, you're you're getting something rolling. Keep it going. And then he totally abandons mm-hmm. the run. It's it's weird. So I think yeah. yeah, you're right. It was a combination of that, the O line, Trubisky. I mean, who you know what defense is really scared of him? So hey, stack the box. Dare him to beat you, right? Dare dare Trubisky to beat you with his arm. So. That's a right, that's a good right. Pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, so that that was my uh, what was NFC North surprise player twenty twenty. I I could see Montgomery just you know maybe having like close to a thousand yards and maybe a, you know ten touchdowns or something like that. You know. Yeah, well, everybody writes him off on Twitter too. I mean, there's a there's a pocket of yeah. people that I've seen saying he's going to have a good season. The volumes there, and it is. And then mo- for the most part, everybody's like, Screw- I'm not drafting him. He sucks. Or whatever. I'll take him way late. <laughs> But yeah, well, yeah, they, he averaged three point seven yards per carry last year, which is not good. No. But again, I don't, I don't, I don't put that on all on him. I mean, I think a lot of the, like you said, teams are like they're not going to be this passing, uh, you know. And I think that the the O line is not very good either. So I mean, I think it was kind of a perfect storm against Montgomery, and hopefully Nagy figures that out and that you know Montgomery can get going this year. So because right. I'm looking to draft him kind of later you know, as well. So definitely. And then any player, you know, there's always these players in in drafts that I do where I'll make, but I usually make cheat sheets for all my leagues and I'll put together tiers and then I'll go through each tier and I'll put like a highlight for a guy. That's my pick. This is, this is the guy I want. And then if he is gone and I can't get him, then I highlight a guy that I would take. So that's like my backup plan. Cause you know, you drink a few in the draft, mm-hmm. you kind of lose track of stuff. You're, you're BSing with everybody and whatnot, oh, yeah. right? So I need something to keep me focused or otherwise I'll tank. The right. Draft. And then I'll put a value pick. <laughs> I'm serious. And I'll, I'll do like a value pick in green. And that's just a guy that, you know, if I'm looking at that section or neighborhood of players and I'm like, man, I don't really like any of these guys. 
I'll take the value guy because it, you know, I've done a little research prior to the draft where he's likely to pay off the most, but I always have that red line across for my undraftable player and my undraftable mm-hmm. player for the NFC North. Believe it or not, is Kyle Rudolph. And I know most of the hype this offseason, well, there hasn't been too much hype, but most of the talk this offseason has been, well, Gary Kubiak's your your, uh, coordinator. He's calling the plays. He likes tight ends. He features tight ends. But Rudolph is really, he never gets enough targets to be relevant any season, it seems like. And he's really just valuable on on touchdowns. That's really the only value-driven commodity he provides. So, I think Irv Smith gets a little more involved in the offense and that Vikings offense. I think that prevents him from really, you know, being a consistent high high ranking tight end in the fantasy landscape. So to me, he's like a low end guy that I just I, there's better options. I'd rather hit a different guy and you know see somebody else take off. Maybe that's a a flyer pick, you know, that's going to get a little more targets than he would or. Maybe he's mm-hmm. the only guy. I don't know. I just so for me, Rudolph is a guy I'm just not even gonna draft. So I had so uh yeah, and you're right, Rudolph is like a touchdown dependent fantasy guy. Um I've actually had to take him a couple of years off the off the waivers, uh just due to buys or injuries or what or what have you. It's been kind of a a love hate with Rudolph. I've gotten lucky with a couple of spot starts with him. Um so there's kind of a soft spot in my heart for Cal Rudolph, but <laughs> You know, it's just, but you're right. It's he's completely not somebody you you definitely draft on draft day. He's someone maybe, you know, week fourteen you need a guy. Everybody on your team is dead. Yeah, bye week <laughs> fill in or whatever. Yeah. Um. So on this one, I wasn't sure uh how easy of a pick you were looking to make, like in terms of undraftable. So I was thinking, like, well, no one should ever draft Mercedes Lewis from Green Bay because he's True. He's a tight end, you know, but he's but that's almost too easy uh, to say don't draft him because I don't think he's been I don't think he's been able to be drafted for five six years probably. Right, yeah, he shouldn't have been. Yeah, um, but uh, so I guess you know, kind of thinking about like you went with Rudolph. Um, you, you know, the Lions' backfield has. Um, they just, they, you know, they drafted DeAndre Swift. They had on Johnson. I, it makes you wonder where, like, a guy like Bo Scarborough would, I mean, because he kind of caught some passes last year out of the backfield, but it just makes you wonder, like, is he even draftable at this point when they've got DeAndre Swift now and on Johnson's coming back from injury? That's kind of another guy I thought I might plug in there. Yeah, Scar and Scarborough was the hot one for that moment in time last season. I grabbed him. And then it was, oh, mm-hmm. nope, you got to grab Ty Johnson. <laughs> yeah, was it was kind mess. of. It was such a mess. Yeah. It's so it hard because but... everybody will hype or, like, pick him up and hop on the train because of his one good week. And a guy like that, I'm always hesitant because I don't want to burn a a, wa- a a waiver wire claim or budget. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. you know, I should have never wasted money on that guy. So I typically like to wait a week or two. And then maybe the second mm-hmm. week I'll go, okay, all right, he put two weeks back to back. He strung something together. I'll do it. And then like always the third week, nope, now he sucks. <laughs> you're yeah, I know. And anyway. it, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he sucks and you wasted your waiver priority on him. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I totally agree with, with Scarborough there because well, I've seen I've seen people talk about that too where they're 
you know, he could take over. It could be Johnson and Scarborough or uh, Swift and Scarborough one and two once um, KJ's out. And like, you never know how it's going to shake down. But yeah, Scarborough, I wouldn't even draft him either. No. Mm-hmm. And then the NFC North has got some pretty good rookies this season. Uh, I think overall the yeah. division division's got some pretty good rookies stepping in on the scene. And for me, we just talked about the Lions' backfield. Um, I know, like, I could have went Jefferson, but Swift was the one I'm looking at because if I'm looking at his opportunity, he's probably going to be splitting the workload with Carryon Johnson. And I think either way, even if he has to split the backfield with him, he still makes an impact for fantasy. If Johnson goes down, he's at number one. And I think you roll him out as, like, an RB2, a flex play. He, he should be pretty consistent every week. And any kind of injury to Johnson only elevates him. So I, I think Swift mm-hmm. would be my rookie target if I'm looking at a NFC North guy in the in the draft here to target. It's it's Swift for me. And that's exact that's exactly what I had. I had DeAndre Swift, and for me, it really wasn't close. Yeah, outside I, of I him. think he pays. He's probably the one to pay off the most. And I know Jefferson's the flashy, mm-hmm. you know, toy. But man, I think Swift is the is the direct. And running backs have a greater chance that. If you notice, running backs have a greater chance to come in as a rookie and make like a big impact, like have a big season. You know, it's yeah. Uh, you know, talk about David Montgomery just a little bit. The guy had 889 yards in a, in a subpar year. You know, as a rookie, so you get a guy. I think Daniel Swift's a better prospect. I mean, the guy was a stud, absolute stud over there in Georgia. I think that you could definitely plug him in as maybe like a flex. I think he'll beat Carryon Johnson out for the starting job. And that's and that kind of goes back to why I thought. You can't draft both Scarborough because I don't. I think he's RB three now, probably. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you always got to look at. That's the biggest thing. That's the line that gets blurred, is fantasy football and real football. You know, and mm-hmm. and some people just can't separate the two, and they get so infatuated with one player. He's gonna take over. He's gonna win. But real life NFL, he's got no shot. He's not going. He's not. It's not going to happen. Or you know, what I mean, it's 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 just not the pecking. Right. It's not the pecking order of the team. It's not going to play out that way. But yeah, so I mean, you always got to put most stock in the real life NFL and how it's going to go down, how it could play out, off season things, stuff like that. So yeah, I think speaking of that part of what, what do you think about? Sorry, to interrupt. What do you think about AJ Dillon uh, in Green Bay? Because he's you know he's kind of the big bruiser, second round yeah. draft pick. Yep. Well, I mean, that was a guy I thought about, but I thought there's just no way they're going to give up that many more carries to him over, no. you know, that should go to Jones. You know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen this year. Yeah, well, under McCarthy, they always loved Jamal Williams, right? I mean, it was always yeah. Jamal Williams was the guy, and he's good. He's not awful, but I think with LaFleur no. in there now, he wants – he wants a Shanahan. Everybody wants the Shanahan offense, right? That's what everybody's trying to mimic. If it's not the Shanahan mm-hmm. offense, it's Baltimore's Lamar Jackson, you know, dual threat quarterback stuff. Right. We don't have that with Rodgers, so it's going to be the ground and pound. And everything I've learned about what Matt Lafleur wants to do is it's interchangeable pieces. I want to take. He wants to take, um, you know, Sternberger from tight end. He could line up in the next play. He could line up in the slot. Aaron Jones, same mm-hmm. thing. He could be in the backfield or he could be outside. And just all these movable pieces, but the run is going to dictate and set up everything they do. And if they run the offense down the field the way he wants, it should be heavy run. And with Dylan, he's not coming in. He's, he's not going to take Aaron Jones off the ball on first, second down, right? It's going to be with him and Williams. Right. But I think if they 
it's game script dependent. If they're winning at the end, you know, it's third quarter, they got a good lead. I think you see more Williams and Dylan than you do Jones. And if it's um, just kind of running out the clock, goal line stuff, maybe the guy's huge. He's gigantic, right? He's, he's kind of yeah. like a Derek Yeah, Henry he's type. a big boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a monster. He's I mean, he's like tough a Derek to tackle. So you, you think he's not got... someone you're going to want to tackle. <laughs> no, no. You'd think they've got some goal line packages set up for him, maybe. And then, like I said, with its fourth quarter and they want to just beat that other team down, it's going to be heavy doses of Dylan. But to come out and start games first half, I don't think you see much of them at all. Maybe a spell, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Jones tweaks something or he just needs a breather. He's in there. But I think they stick with Williams above him for now, for this season anyway. But then again, if if there's an injury, everybody gets elevated instantly. So, but I think he's more your right. pun- he's your punisher, right? You're like late round, yeah, uh, just beat yeah. teams in a submission type bag. I think that's how they're going to use him most if they've got leads. I, I like your yeah, I like your situation about how it's late in the game, the defense is tired, and then you start pounding them with AJ Dillon because you know they're yeah. already tired. Now they're going to tackle six foot, two hundred fifty pound bowling ball. It's like yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to tackle him on a fresh, you know, let alone in the fourth quarter when it's cold out and, you know, we're dog tired. So, yeah, I mean, but I do think that that does, it is going to hurt Jones's production, like you think this year. Yeah, uh, in yeah terms it'll of take like, some maybe late in the game scores. Yeah, he could vulture some touchdowns. He could take some, some targets away. But I think, I think your early setup downs are going to be Jones and then. You know, mid-game, mm-hmm. end of game, it's going to be Williams and Dylan primarily. So, do you think Jones might slip out of the top twenty-five as a result of maybe Hickel's perception of oh, if they took a running back in the second round, they're gonna it's going to be a committee? Do you think Jones falls out of the top twenty-five now? No, I don't think. so. I mean, he gets no love on Twitter. Do you see that? I mean, he is everybody. Yeah, Aaron Jones. Yeah, it's him. Emba- yeah. yeah, like everybody. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Fun. Everybody has completely written him off. And I picked him up in that Scott Fishbowl draft. He was like, I can't even remember. He was the top 10 running back for the scoring in that league. He was still on the block, like available late. I think I got him in the third round or fourth or something. And I had to take him. It was like, there's no way. How is he still here? He's still here. And I, of course, he's going to have some regression, right? I think the big thing in Twitter is regression. Everybody is so infatuated with, with that word and when you hear it mm-hmm. most people take it to the extreme and they go oh there's no way he repeats he's going to regress he's not going to get half of what he got last it's like no chip that's where you're not separating the real life nfl and the fantasy world because in real life right. is he going to lose a bit yeah i mean nobody is can sustain that year in and year out lamar jackson too i mean it but it doesn't mean they they're going to fall off He's still the guy. <laughs> Look what he did. Yeah, that's his first yeah. season. You think Matt Lafleur is is looking at tape and going, uh, "We can't use Jones that much this year, guys." Scale <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, he wants right. to run the ball. Matt Lafleur wants heavy, run, heavy run action. So when he sees mm-hmm. all the tape, everything that went down last season, he goes, "I want that and more." So, like I said, it, I think it's more game script dependent. It's, let's say it's a close game. And they're still in it. Maybe they're down a score, up a score, whatever it may be. I think you still see Jones because you want him. He's a playmate. He tilts the field. If, if he's catching passes out of the yeah. field, he tilts the field when the ball is in his hand. So I don't want to yeah. pull. Would Matt Lafleur want to pull him off the field? 
to put in a rookie or Williams at that point? No. And when the Packers, I don't think so. Yeah. When the Packers play tough teams, they're closer than, you know, they, they're always close games when they, when they have to play a real team or if it's a team that runs the ball, like the Eagles, Packers can't stop the run. Right. So no, they can't. Uh, Jordan Howard ran all over them last year. Yeah. So I mean, look at the games and look at the teams that they're going to play. I think they got a pretty decent schedule this season. I don't remember what it was ranked, but you know, sometimes the Packers play down to their opponents too. So any kind of close game, I don't see why Jones mm-hmm. is would be sitting on the bench for wasn't Aaron Jones the, the second leading receiver in Green Bay last year too? Oh yeah, he was he was killing it last season. I mean he had a breakout just what we want, you know, the free Aaron Jones movement, right? <laughs> it was <laughs> yes, it was yes. full returns yes. on that. Every what everybody was saying, that's exactly how it went down. Yeah, he's a 50 catch, 475 yards, and three touchdowns just receiving last year. So he's a, and he's made some some circus catches too. I mean, the guy's got a great pair of hands. So I I just you know I hear different things about where Aaron Jones is going to go this year in fantasy. You know, in PPR leagues he's still a top 25 guy, but in non PPR leagues people are talking about you know third round maybe you know stuff like that. And it's like, man, really? <laughs> yeah. So here's a stat. He's got. Last season, it was 236 attempts, 1084 yardage. He averaged 4.59. He was putting together 67.8 yards per game, 16 touchdowns. The key stat is that he had 55 rushes that resulted in a first down. So Matt LaFleur trusts him with the ball, right, to get a first down. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the receiving game, 68 targets, 49 receptions, 474 yards and three touchdowns, 18 of which were passes for a first down completion. So, do you know, you could take all these numbers and scale them back, but I wouldn't scale them back that far because it, it's dependent on the game. Who's their opponent? What's Are they losing? Are they winning? The Packers jump out to so many big leads early, right? And then you're like, oh, we got this one in the bag. And then what happens at the end? Whoop, there's the other oh. team and... And you're fighting and clawing to to win by a touchdown or two, so yeah, in those kind of, yeah, in those kind of games, I don't see why Jones wouldn't be in there like he normally is, right? You don't you don't change what you're doing yeah. just to he's a cha- he's a chain mover. He keeps the drive alive. Yeah, I mean, uh, you he, know, pass protection, fifty five and eighteen. So so almost seventy almost seventy five first downs uh, alone last year just from him, right? So how right. do you? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's he's too much. So back to real, real football. He's too much of a chain mover to keep him out of off the field too much, you know. And so yeah, I just I kind of wanted to touch on Aaron Jones because he gets disrespected on Twitter all the time. People don't recognize him, and now they're saying they got to Dylan to replace him. And it's like, look, hang on, pump the brakes. Yeah, I I don't blame the Packers for taking Dylan because it's it's definitely a smart move. I like that pick because it is it's a contract year for Jones. Do they re-sign him? Mm-hmm typically they don't you never know maybe they do but if they don't right. it now it's not the end of the world now you you don't have to worry right. about exactly. overpaying for the free agent running back you don't have to worry about that whole scenario you've got an in-house guy that you mm-hmm. drafted he's big he he fits the style of what you want to run you still got williams to compliment him so i think they're in a good situation whether he stays or whether he goes it doesn't matter but yeah i mean that's that's the biggest that's that was a smart smart draft pick by the packers 
Yeah, I like it. I like Dylan too. Maybe in, in the future, I don't want to see him too much this year, though, probably. So. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. So getting back on the last last category here, a player on the fantasy football radar. Always oh, got those guys that are blips for the moment, but guys that are on my radar, I'm looking at. I've got Justin Jefferson for the Vikes, rookie wide receiver. I thought he landed in a good spot. For fantasy football, he's going to step in, like we were saying, you know, alongside Adam Thielen. He's going to assume the Stephon Diggs role. And Thielen and Jefferson, I think they're the only true players on that team that command the most targets. And we know Thielen's got some injuries over the past couple of years. But Jefferson, I mean, he should see over 100 targets in year one. And I think he's got more upside if anything were to happen to Thielen, even if he misses a few games, you know, it's it's going to have to be him. Mm-hmm. I think they got who that Olabisi Johnson is the other receiver. I mean, there's really nobody past them. They're almost in the same boat as the Packers receiver wise. So Jefferson for sure. And the, the biggest thing is Thielen and Jefferson are both slot guys. So putting them outside, are they, they're not going to just plant them outside, right? They're, they've got to have them as movable pieces in that offense. So where do they move them? Where do they excel? He's just a guy on my radar. I want to see how he shakes down in that offense for this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's definitely a guy I wanted the Packers to, to, to target. You know, I think they could have been – where did they draft him? Uh, I'm trying to think. The, the Vikings, they drafted him right before Green Bay, right? Because the Packers finished ahead of the Vikings in the draft. Yeah. yeah but that was so. a guy that I was kind of hoping. Because, yeah, the Vikings beat the Saints, and then they lost to the Niners, and the Packers lost to the Niners. So I think they were right before the Packers. Uh, but that was definitely a guy that I was, you know, fingers crossed. I hope we get him. Kind of find out that was never going to happen. But, uh, oh, no, the Packers turned it up to get love, of course. They drafted ahead of uh, the Vikings. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I like Jefferson I'm a lot. The- but uh, I, just a guy, I think, did you mention him earlier, Alan Lazard? Yeah, we talked about him at the uh, top with uh just Packers. Yeah. But. Well that that's a that's a guy I got my he's you know he was kind of a blip on the radar last year with some sneaky production. Uh that's a guy that I he's on my radar. I doubt he gets drafted in a lot of leagues. Um but but I could see him becoming the wide receiver two in Green Bay and having you know like like six hundred yards, seven touchdowns, kind of a spot start, flex guy, you know. Uh you know that's just a guy on my radar as a Packer as a Packer honk, you know that's He's obviously a player, but uh, but that's that's a guy I think in in, re, in all reality in fantasy, you know, could get some sneaky production out of him. Yeah, and I'm curious. Most of the drafts and mocks that I've been doing, like you said, he either doesn't get drafted or he gets drafted way late. So I don't know if this Funchess thing changes that moving forward. With you know, it's all we're getting into August here pretty quick, so the fantasy drafts are starting. They're they're going to be hot and heavy. It, does that change things? I get the most feeling that everybody's staying the hell away from anybody not named Devontae Adams in that receiver yeah. room. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you should so he be should be available, him. in other words, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You should be able to get him if you like him, if yeah. you believe in him. Take him late. Don't reach for him and get him. You know what I mean? You, don't, you shouldn't ever have to reach for the guy. But if he's in that neighborhood no. and you're looking at the other players and you're like, man, these guys kind of suck. I don't really like any of them. And you see Lazard take Lazard, man, it's real life NFL. He should be the two. So you, you he win. should. Yeah. You know, a uh, fun stab at Alan Lazard prior to 2019, he had one NFL snap. No way. Yeah. Yeah, it was. 
he had one NFL snap and then, uh, you know, we signed him off. I think it was the Raiders practice squad or something like that. And uh, we all know the catch he had against Detroit, the big catch at the, the, you know, at the end of the game there. But for a guy to come off of another team's practice squad and come into our team, now granted our wide receiver court wasn't hard to rise to the top, possibly of Adams, but he came in and gained Rogers trust right away. Uh, it seemed like, and, uh, you know, he's a big target, he's 6'5", and uh, he had some timely catches. Like, I can remember there were games where it was like, we need someone to make a play here, you know, third and, you know, eight, you know, and he, and then Rodgers uncorks it to Lazard, not Adams, and it's like, man, he trusts this guy, and Lazard yeah. catches it, and it's like, man, you know what, and, and obviously as a Packer fan, I probably have a little bit more stock in him than the average NFL fan isn't a Packer fan, but I just, I think we saw enough out of him last year that, you know, for coming into the Packer season with one NFL snap, I mean, basically he was like a rookie, right? I mean, that's kind of how you treat that guy. And he does that. I mean, yeah, he, who knows what he could become. I don't think he's going to be an elite, but I think he could be a legit wide receiver too. Yeah. Well, that's why I always say, I mean, you should know your home team better than anybody, anybody. So, yeah. When it comes time to draft. I know my home team of the Bears. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, yeah, you should know those guys. So if you're going to get laughed at on Twitter for taking them, let them laugh because you know more better than anybody. And and going back to what I said in that neighborhood, so if I'm on the clock and I'm you know around the 60th pick and I'm looking at receivers in that neighborhood, I've got Lazard and I've got Curtis Samuel for the Panthers. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater's the guy. They just signed Robbie Anderson. Eh, D.D. Westbrook mm-hmm. for the Jags. Minshew's at the quarterback helm you've got hunter renfro i do love renfro for the raiders i would assume he's gone yeah. he always gets picked ahead of his his spot there then you got the sean jackson mm-hmm. boomer bust ultimate boomer bust guy michael Pittman for the colts yeah. he's a rookie paris campbell for the colts he was hurt last season james washington Corey davis so i look at lazard all day man that's that's your pick that's yeah. your highlighted green value right there He's got to. He's gonna get more volume and in, in terms of targets than those guys. I would think. absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? Right, especially as a two. So that, yeah, I love looking at volume as a, as like a main driver and where I'm picking a guy. Like how much, and not so much stats, but what's his volume? What do I think his volume is going to be this year? Because that's what it takes to get to get good. To, you know, to have a good fantasy production year, you got to have the volume to support that. So, I, I like to look for volume, and in that in that case. I like his volume, even though he's not quite the name of those other guys you mentioned. I think his volume is above it. Yeah, volume volume and targets are my pretty much I, – I put those pretty high priority. I know the stats are flashy and all that stuff. You always look at them. But for me, bottom line, sure. it, yeah, I want to see volume. I want to see targets. And then of those targets, what did he catch? What percentage did he catch? you know, that were mm-hmm. reception. So that I put more stock in that. I think that tells you a more clear story. And when you get into the late round stuff, that's how you can really identify some good guys in there. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. It sounds like, uh, sounds like we're both taking Alan, Alan Lazard this year late in the draft. <laughs> I think I will. Yeah. I'm trying to, um, I, I've only had, I did a dynasty draft and somebody snagged them. I did that Scott Fishbowl, and I, I think somebody else took him way early. I can't remember. I'm never mm-hmm. going to take a guy too early. I don't. I just, I'll go aggressive. If it's a guy if it's a guy that I've locked in as a target, but 
if if it's somebody that I want but I'm not real heavy on, I'm not going to reach. And then I think the only other yeah, that, that I've only got two drafts in so far cuz I've got three coming up in August. And I think that rounds it out. And then a best ball one. I don't really want them in best ball, but yeah, that's really it. So hopefully mm. I should be able to snag them in one of these coming up, I'd imagine. Unless somebody's listening to this and they'll take snipe me and take them out of me. <laughs> that happens a He's lot, too. Be, I, <laughs> last year, I, I'm in a fantasy league with some uh, guys that are from Wisconsin Whitewater, and uh, it was the last round of the draft. And uh, I knew the guy behind me that I was drafting directly ahead of was going to take Jake Kumaro. And I, and I took him just, you know, just to kind of be like, ha, you know, you <laughs> like I, I still, I, he was going to be Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the draft. And I went ahead and took him out of the guy and it kind of set up a lot of kind of a shit talking storm, but. <laughs> well, it kind of sucks. They're not going to have um, public available spots at the training camp. Yeah. Down to 80, right? I don't. Come with the roster. Well, no, no. I mean, for when the Packers go practice, I don't think it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. This year, is it? No, it's not. Nope. So no one can go in there and get their get their peepers on uh, who's doing what. <laughs> no, damn, that sucks. Because I always go up there in July, and uh, and hit up a couple practices. It's the best, man. It's the best. I don't know if you've ever been to one. I've never done that. Well, if they can do it next year, if we're you know twenty twenty one and we're back to normal, and you want to go to one, let's do a meetup and go out there. Because I I love going to that. I go every year. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And, I would love to go, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would absolutely love that. I know where to set up. I learned a lot over the years, like where to set up and sit, because they used to have <laughs> the cherry pickers up there running tape, and you'd always set up between them. That's where the the practices, you know, the good stuff was going to be at. And then the other end of sure. the field would be like special teams stuff like that. Most people don't know it, but now they changed it. The way they do tape, it's I don't know if it's from a booth or somewhere else. So it's a little harder to tell, but you get there early, you can see where they're coming out and warming up, and then you kind of float around. But it's it's a great experience. You can hear everything on the field. You can see the players, I mean, standing right in front of you. The only thing separating you is the, the railing. You can hear what they're talking about, the coaches. You can hear what, how they're getting coached up. It's it's hilarious, man. It's really good. It's a good thing. So yeah, That almost sounds more enjoyable than an actual game. It, it kind of is. I mean, honestly, it really kind of is. You You can meet a ton of cool people there. And there's yeah. so many people from all over the U.S. I met people from Idaho. I met people from Texas, all over the place, man. There's and there's always some wow. jackass with like a Bears jersey or a Vikings jersey. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like the closet Packer fan, but they're not ready yeah. to come out just yet. So they want to they want to <laughs> put the Vikings thing on. And then you know, why are you wearing a Vikings shirt? Yeah. Packers suck. I'm just here because the wife wants to see them. Nah, you're, yeah, you're, you're probably uh-huh. you're probably rooting for them. There's always a, those yeah, guys yeah. are always walking around. I always crack up. <laughs> Never fails. Never fails. But it's, it's cool. Like, why are you here, bro? Yeah. Why are yeah, you whatever. here? Why, why are you wearing full Viking Brett Favre gear to a Packers practice? I don't care that it's. Oh, that would cat my ass if I saw someone in the Brett Favre Vikings jersey at a Packers. Every se- every uh, season, man. Every season. Uh, Not. I should take pictures man. of these guys or something. Yeah, I mean, make up like a funny uh, hashtag for those guys and. Roast them on Twitter, make them famous. <laughs> yeah, there every season that I've gone since Brett Favre has gone, there is a Brett Favre Vikings jersey at every Packer practice. I swear to God, because I always, I'm always laughing when I see it. It's like, gotta be kidding me. God, yeah, it's like trying, 
it's like trying to root for two teams there. It's a Brett Favre jersey, but it's a Vikings Brett Favre jersey. It's kind of like you can't do that, man. No, <laughs> it's not no, allowed. Yeah, it's just not right. <laughs> and then especially be walking around Lambeau, you know, in the practice field with it. It's like the players. Oh, I yeah. I just wonder what the players say when they see that. You know, wouldn't they be like, look at this fool here walking in? Yeah, this guy, he just, he's confused. Yeah, very confused. But yeah, that's a great thing. You, <laughs> if you get there at the right times, you can uh, get autographs and stuff. I mean, some of the adults are pretty nasty trying to step over the kids and stuff. But if you stand in the right oh, spot, I hate to do that. Yeah, it's pretty. Some of them are pretty hardcore, man. They've got like, <laughs> it's like, come on, just let the kid get the autograph, guys. No, like, kidding. Some of Honestly. them are pretty hardcore. But if you catch them riding the bikes down, you know, before all the kids, they kind of sit at the end. If you catch them early, they'll sign stuff for you. I've got, I've gotten stuff signed, and you, I've, I've met. Oh, nice. Geronimo Allison. He was always a big one that he'd stand around and talk to a lot of people. He signed a lot of stuff. He was really cool. He was really. He's cool. a. He's a. Finding a finding a limelight, finding a Lion alumni. It's a mouthful to yep. say that. But he's a U of I guy, and now he's on the Lions, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I always liked him. I thought he'd do good, but then he had that core injury. I don't know what uh, did he tear his groin or ab or something, and he just was never. Something the same. was yeah, it's abdominal. Yeah, and he was remember last 2018 season, the first five games of the season, he was on a tear. Like his yeah. projections that year were going to be like close to a thousand yards and like eight or nine touchdowns. And then he had the injury, and then last year, I can't tell you how many times I cursed his name because he just could not hang on to a ball. Yeah, yeah, because that one year he flashed. He had Aaron Rodgers' trust, and it was like, mm-hmm. man, this guy, he could he could emerge. He could be a solid yep. contributor for this team. And then just that injury never came back. He wasn't the same guy. No, he, and now he's the Lions' problem. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, holy crap. But no, John, I, I always like I always like Gmo. He was, I thought he was always just a good guy. So yeah, he, he seemed like cool. he, he, sit, he would sign damn near everybody's stuff for autographs. Wow. They, he would get mobbed and he, he would sign every single one, hit the field with a smile on his face. Like he was a super cool guy. Super cool guy. I tried, I tried to get Darnell Savage last season uh, when he was the rookie out of Maryland because I'm from Maryland. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to wear my Terps jersey that's got the flag on it. Like nobody's going to have that. He's going to notice it and he's going to come over and sign right. it. Right. That was my, my grand idea. Well, I seen him <laughs> and he was getting mobbed by a bunch of kids. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll wait. I'll get him. You know, when he comes down a little more, well, he came down a little more, same thing, lots of kids. I'm like, Let's, I'll let him go. I'll, I'll catch him probably at the end. Cause right before they go in the field, there's like a little corner they round. And that's where most 90% of the people are at. And that's where they sign the most. I didn't realize that. Cause I was so tied up in the middle of the, the road where they ride the bikes down and I was standing off to mm-hmm. the side in front of one of these doors and I let him go. And then next thing I know, boom, he was in the, on the field. Like he rounded that corner. So no. things. And my wife's like, he's still at the corner. I'm like, no, he's not. And then I look up and he's walking into the field and I'm like, damn, I missed it. That's all right though. <laughs> as soon as I said that, yeah, some... the, uh, Mark Murphy walked out of the door of the, Mark pra- Murphy. of the practice thing. And like, I turned around, I was like looking right at him. I'm like, What's up, Mark? That was the first thing I said. I didn't even know what to say. I'm like such a fanboy idiot, right? I'm like, what's up, Mark? And he goes, I know what I... coming out. He kept walking. He was really nice. <laughs> I know what I tell that guy. I tell him to get a decent haircut. I I tell him to quit sledding the making those memes of himself. You ever see that when it was like oh. my GM and he was sledding down the, the snow hill? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I just the, the guy is worth millions and he he's on public TV with like a two dollar haircut. He's like, it just uh, drives me nuts. I'm like Mark Davis, right? Same kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It's just like what in the hell, man. Like Yeah, but he's <laughs> I get cool. it, like, you know. You go to those practices, you never know what, what you'll see or people you could run into. It's really cool, man. So next season, if you want to get out, hit me up. I'll let you know when I'm going to one. Definitely. And uh and we'll that hang, hang out because it's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I'd love to do that. And so. you can kick out pictures out. too. Like if you if you're into taking pictures of stuff, or even with just your phone, I mean you're close enough that you can get some good shots, good action shots. And then they do the the seven on seven work. That's really cool. It's it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a hoot, man. I've always wanted to get up there for a practice. I just I never have. I never I, gotta, I don't want to go up alone and not know what to do, where to stand type thing. So if I got a, if I got a guy up there, that makes it a lot easier to do that. Yeah. So. We'll, de- we'll definitely do that for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, yeah, that, let's wrap up the pod here. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time talking Packers. Always like talking Packers with fellow fans and, uh, absolutely. And the fantasy picks too. So how many before, yeah, before we wrap it up, how many leagues are you doing this season? Uh, not counting DraftKings Cause that's like a, an endless number for me. Right, uh, yeah. Every every year, I, I'm down to three leagues. I was in, I think, six or seven at one point, but I'm down to three leagues now. They're the three most competitive leagues. Uh, I am trying to – I would like to get into a dynasty league, but not just like any old one. The ones that, you know, they've been around. The ones that, you know, they're competitive. People pay on time all that. I would like to get into one of those. My cousin's in one of those. It sounds, you know, it sounds like it's like a year round thing versus just a, an NFL season thing. So, um, but right. Yeah. For this year, I'll be in three and then I'll have you know, 300 or so different entries into DraftKings probably. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I got, I got to, if I could just do three leagues, I would be set, but I'm always into much more. It's like eight to 10, it seems like, but this year I did do a lot of different ones. I got like an NFL pick them league picking point mm-hmm. spreads i did a best ball draft i did the dynasty i'll have two redrafts so i mean just look, mix it up a little get a little variety in there i guess yeah and the best ball i think that's a that's a i like the, i'd like to get into one of those i got invited to a, a couple of those last year but they were like five dollars it's just like what's the point i can't I mean it's not worth my time yeah $5. there's a few i did like 25 dollar entries and draft the teams yeah you know you get like a bunch in there that's pretty fun. Just do a couple of them, but best ball is pretty cool. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on again. And uh, we will see you out there in the Twitterverse. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate being on the show. Anytime. We'll talk throughout the season for sure. And of course, go pack go, right? Always go pack go, baby. All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. See ya. Yeah. All right. This press conference is over. Go away. I no, it's over, Phil. Well, it's over. Go away. Phil. Well, it's over.